mentioned, we are starting a new series called Encountering Christ. The next several weeks uh, leading up to Easter, uh, we are going to look through the book of John and look at the different accounts and stories of Jesus interacting with individuals, meeting them where they are, and connecting with them in a way that is intimate towards where they are with their understanding of the Lord and what his purposes are in his ministry. So our first stop today is in uh, John 3, uh, which is uh, Jesus's interaction with Nicodemus. So three weeks ago, Aaron told you one of this, actually the second thing that is the hardest thing about Aaron for me to comprehend. The first thing is he doesn't like Chick-fil-A. What? What in the world? And then three weeks ago, he said that he goes into Costco, for which he pays a membership to go in there, and then he can't take the samples. And I'm thinking, you need to be healed from that. And so last weekend, my wife and I went to Anchorage for a Costco trip, and we haven't been for a while. And she's like, we're going we're gonna to load up this week. You need to get, I'm going to get a buggy, and you get one of those orange flat bed carts, and we're just going to fill the thing up. And so we, we're going through, I'm pushing the cart, we've got all five kids with us, and I don't know if, I think this is the same for everyone, is that you get through Costco, and you get to the checkout line, and then you turn around and you go through the, the processed foods aisle in the middle. Everybody with me? That's, what, that's how you go. You go to the checkout and you're like, maybe there's something over here, like beef jerky or goldfish. So I lost Maranatha in that section and I turned around to go back to her. Uh, but I don't know which aisle she's in. And so I'm pushing this massive cart. I've got two, maybe three kids, I don't remember. Um, pushing the cart and I get like most of the way through one of the aisles that you can turn into and this guy middle-aged guy with by himself with a cart that was empty except for one box we get like stuck he's trying to get in and I'm going by and he looks at me and he goes I'm going that way. I'm going that way. And then he said out loud, I'm not sure if he meant it, but he said out loud, he said, uh, are you going to make me go all the way around? And I, I kind of looked around, I was like, am I, are we seeing this the same? And we stood there for a second, and I've, I'm confessing, I felt this level of rage build up in me. And then I heard the, the little nurse's voice from my first deliveries that says, don't shake that guy. <laughs> so he moves around, and for a second, I was like, nah, I'm gonna shake him. And I backed up to kind of like block him again, and I was like, nah, I gotta go. <laughs> What's happening in that moment is 
he sees the world through his eyes and I'm seeing the world through my eyes and I'm I'm like how could you I mean, it's much easier for you to move than me right I'm corralling headless chickens and this cart that's actually the same interaction that Jesus is having with Nicodemus Jesus is coming in and he's saying to Nicodemus how do you not get this? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to uh, go through the story of Nicodemus interacting with Jesus. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to look at who Jesus or who Nicodemus is to give us kind of a context of um, why he's coming to Jesus and how he's coming to Jesus and what he understands. And then as Jesus responds, I think that Jesus is primarily uh, trying to communicate three different characteristics of what it means to be born again. Three different things of, uh, about what it means to be born again. So. John 3, verses 1 and 2, the beginning of Nicodemus' interaction with Jesus says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. In this two, two passages, two verses, we find out actually a lot about who Nicodemus is. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He is part of a group of people who are known to be against Jesus and his ministry. These are the people who are going to advocate that Jesus is put to death. And he is a, he's buddies with these guys. Not only is he buddies with these guys, but Jesus is going to say, you're, you're a teacher. You're actually a ruler of the Jews. You are an esteemed member of this class of people. A Pharisee should be someone who has studied the Old Testament scriptures thoroughly and is able to teach them. Secondly, Nicodemus comes at night. Nicodemus has been having conversations about Jesus with his buddies. And those conversations are probably very condemning towards who Jesus is and what he is doing. And so Nicodemus is probably afraid to be seen with Jesus being who he is. He's at least anxious, fearful of what might happen to his position or his um, street cred, his clout among his members, uh, among his friends. Thirdly, he calls Jesus rabbi. He calls him a teacher, which happens throughout scripture. Many people call him a teacher. In fact, you run into people today and you say, who do you say that Jesus is? And they say, oh, he's just a, just a prophet. He's just a teacher, just a great guy with some great moral points that he can make. 
It's actually the same thing that Nicodemus is saying. Nicodemus is saying, you're a teacher, you're a guy. I can't place you uh, in my view of how the world is working. Lastly, if you notice, he comes in his own wisdom. He comes without question. He comes making a statement. And the statement is, we know. We've actually had a discussion. We know the scriptures. We know who you are. We know how this is supposed to go. 1 Corinthians 1. Paul writing says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Here's the thing. Nicodemus is all of those things. Nicodemus has power. Nicodemus, according to the world, has wisdom. And yet, here he is, under the shadow of night, coming to Jesus. Paul says, not many of you were wise, but some of you are. Nicodemus is coming to Jesus and trying to square away his own wisdom and the fact that Jesus is doing things that no man should. So Jesus responds with three characteristics of what it means to be born again. Someone who is born again has eyes to see the world, has understanding of the word, and has a faith beyond reason. Those are the three things that he's going to address. So, number one, being born again gives you kingdom vision, first characteristic of what Jesus is going to point out to Nicodemus. So he comes to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless, unless God is with him. In verse 3, Jesus responds, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Nicodemus is focusing on the physical world around him, what he can see through his physical eyes. The text doesn't say, but I would imagine that Nicodemus may not even have his mother alive at this point in his life. And he certainly understands that there's no way that I'm going to revert back to an infant and go into my mother's womb to be born again. How is that going to be possible? We often make that same statement. 
we look around at the physical world, both in our daily lives, in our homes, in our community, in our state, in our nation, and all across the world, and we say, how is it that God can, how is it that God can allow these things to happen? If he really were God, then these things would not exist. I would no longer have these issues. We make the same mistake as Nicodemus by focusing on the physical in front of us. And yet in the next few verses, Jesus is going to say, why do you marvel at being born again? When I say being born again. Nicodemus is sitting right in front of Jesus. And yet he can't see it. Matthew 4, 17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right before you. I'm actually the one who's bringing it about into this world for you to see. And what it requires is for you to put down your own vision of how you see the world in favor of gaining spiritual sight that you could never have on your own. John 1 through 3 is constantly talking about uh, uh, Jesus bringing the true light into the world. The birth of Jesus is instituting something into the world that we no longer, we have not seen before. In Matthew chapter 6, he says this, Jesus speaking, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What Jesus is saying is, how is it that you're going to see anything if what is inside you is darkness? If you have not been given life in order to see. Ephesians 1.18, I'll read it. will be on the screen. 118 and 19 says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts are enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. How are you going to see that? You are actually going to be given spiritual eyes, awakened to a reality that is not visible to these eyes. To be born again is to repent from my own way of thinking and seeing the world 
and receive spiritually regenerated eyes so that we can see God at work in all of life, in every situation. Not just the good times when we feel victorious over our tragedies, over our losses, but in the darkest moments, when everything seems like it's failing, you can look around and see God at work. It's the mistake that we often make is we want to see the physical major victories take place, and yet we go weeks, months, years without acknowledging what, he's ha what is happening within our hearts. Why is that? It's because we're failing to use our spiritual eyes to see what God is doing. So Jesus continues his argument, and he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I've, been, that I've said, be born again. You must be born of spirit and flesh. And then he says to Nicodemus that being born again gives you kingdom vision and kingdom hearing. Verse 8, chapter 3. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Who is the we that Jesus is speaking of? Who is bearing witness to who Jesus is in this moment to the whole world? There's actually three people three things that are bearing witness to Nicodemus in this moment. One is Jesus sitting in front of him. The other is the Holy Spirit who is speaking to the whole world, testifying to God is real. And the third, which should primarily be motivating Nicodemus, is the Word of God, which he has and has read and knows. Jesus speaking in John 10 says, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's house bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, says, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. Jesus says, the only reason that you know that 
is because the Holy Spirit has told you that. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you, revealing my nature to you. Matthew 10, 20. It is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I've told this story before, but it's germane to my point. I grew up going to church from the time I can remember until I was in high school. We went to two churches primarily. The church where uh, I did youth group and the majority of that was one of the oldest churches in the South. It's pre-Civil War. It's like going back in time. And there are things that I remember about being there that I can clearly not remember hearing the gospel there. When the Lord started to come after me and get my heart a decade and a half later, I said, this, this must be the first time that I've heard the gospel. We often say that. I hear this all the time. I say it. I have said it. That church that I attended back then didn't share the gospel with me. Therefore, it's their fault that I didn't respond to it. Now, I'm not saying that every church shares the gospel adequately. But it's actually more likely that you didn't have ears to hear the gospel. You didn't have the possession, the ability to hear God speaking. Believe me? Paul writing 1 Corinthians says, chapter 3, 6 and 9, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. It's the parable of the sower. The sower comes around and scatters seed on everyone. This is the truth. And yet not all seeds make it. Some seeds land on rocky soil, soil that has weeds in them. What Paul is getting at, he's saying is, seeds are planted along the way. You hear the gospel, and then at some point, God empowers you to understand it. It's not that you didn't hear it, it's that you couldn't hear it. You say, Matt, okay, what about the, the people who are far off? who will never hear Jesus' name.
if that's your argument, then you should go to those people who might not hear and tell them about Jesus. Be one of the ways that they hear and see God at work in the world. Here's the other thing. Psalm 148, 7 through 8. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. You understand that this passage is referring to the wind and Jesus also is referring to the wind when he speaks to Nicodemus, which is synonymous with the Holy Spirit at work to fulfill God's purposes. Even if you can't go, even if you don't get there, guess what happens? They have no excuse because the rocks cry out that God Almighty is true and he created this world for us to live in, that you were made in his image. To be born again is to understand the testimony of God planted in you through the spoken word, scripture, and the Holy Spirit's voice. You remember that moment. You remember the moment when you had eyes to see and ears to hear. You remember the moment when God gave you life. I know exactly where I was and exactly what I was doing. And it is the single greatest day of my life. Say, what about your wedding day? That was pretty great. But my wife's relation, me and my wife's relationship is until death do us part. But my God has given me eternal life. Eyes to see, ears to hear, to know him, to watch him at work. And it's in that moment when you get ears to hear and eyes to see that he grows the seed, the planted seed in your heart. That moment, you are being born again with kingdom vision, kingdom hearing, and kingdom healing. Jesus continues his argument to Nicodemus. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What Jesus is doing in this moment is he is connecting Nicodemus with the Old Testament passages from Numbers 21. Nicodemus, you know this. You've studied this. You know the story 
of Numbers 21. And just like the bronze serpent was lifted up, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But what's happening in that moment? Numbers 21, 4 through 6 says, And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water. And we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. God's people are following him through the wilderness. After being set free from their captors. And they look on their situation and they go, why? Why would we follow you? Jesus, what God says to Moses, this is what's gonna happen. I'm gonna send fiery serpents amongst them and some of them will die. But this is the plan. You are going to craft a bronze serpent, attach it to a pole and lift it up in the sky. And if anyone is bitten, all they need to do is look towards the serpent and they will be healed. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, this isn't about you being saved from the venom of snakes. It's about you being saved from the power of sin, the poison of sin. Jesus is calling Nicodemus to look towards him because at some point in the future, he's going to look at Jesus hung on a cross just like this bronze serpent. serpent. And what does Nicodemus do? He once again comes in the night and gets his body, prepares it for burial, and dumps tons of burial perfumes and oils on him in celebration of what he's done to bring healing to mankind. There's a second thing in this passage that Jesus has pointed to. How many of you took Skip Bowersox's Old Testament 1 class? Genesis 2, just, sorry, Genesis 1-2 says, the earth was, anybody know it? Two words that Skip's known for? Tohu abohu. The earth was formless and void. Tohu abohu, formless and void. Right now, if you have not been born again, or at some point in your life, you were formless and void, full of darkness. 
And just like when the creator of all the universe saw this madness, this chaos, he says, I can bring order to that. How does he do it? He sends his Holy Spirit to hover over the formless and void darkness. And out of nothing, he creates life. That's what he does when you're born again. He takes the darkness in you, the chaos in your life, and he puts his Holy Spirit in you. You are actually remade into something that has never been seen before. Not even Adam and Eve knew what we know. Adam and Eve lived with God. They walked with him. We walk with him in a new way, those who are born again, because he is dwelling in us. Drew, you guys can come up. So I can't leave you today without just sharing the gospel for what it is and entrusting that the Holy Spirit is going to do what he does best. So in that moment when you are formless and void, God made a decision to step in, to give his life while we were still sinners. He looked at you and said, I can make something out of that mess. And so he leaves his throne room and puts on flesh, is born of the Virgin Mary, lives for 33 years, a sinless life. And then he decides to crawl on the cross and be nailed to it. And in that moment, what is happening is he's exchanging his righteousness, his holiness, for your sin. Nicodemus helps remove him from the cross and puts him in the, doom, the tomb. As all of creation, with abated breath, waits to see what happens when God dies. And on the third day, he rises again, defeating death for each and every one of us. Then he ascends to heaven. And in that moment, he sends his Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And he is at work now in this room and in all of the world to say, Jesus has died for us so that we may have eternal life. If you have yet to know what it's like to be born again, you have to tell someone. You gotta do it. I'm gonna be over here. This prayer team going to be in the back. Go ask for prayer. And I want to be clear. I'm telling you that I sat in church for 15 plus years 
And at some point, I heard the gospel, and yet it did not change my life. I know that there's someone in here who is a church person, but has not yet been born again. Because Jesus is not their God. He's just some nice guy. And you may be even able to say that Jesus is God, but it's not enough. It's not enough until you repent from your own ways and say, you're going to be my God. So if that's true of you today, I would love to pray for you. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. We're going to go into worship. There's communion and offering for you to give and meet with the Lord. Let me pray. Father, I'm so thankful for this moment just to share the goodness of who you are and what you've done for us, the life that you've invited us into. And you're so good and you do far beyond what we could imagine. Opening our eyes, opening our hearts, opening our ears. You are the one who produces faith in us. And God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would make that true today. That we would lean into you more because of what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Not going to lie, that one got me. Matthew 13, 14 through 17 says, You will indeed hear never understand and you will indeed see but never perceive for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. God is willing and able and desires to meet you and bring you to life, to give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and to heal you. greatest day of my life and I hope that you say yes to him or that you have already and that you continue to say yes again and again and again. We don't officially close till 1230 so take this time to connect with someone who you don't know, stick around and help that, help, uh, help our teardown team. There are a few boxes over here on the info table that have replaced the bottles for the Pregnancy Care Center. So if you want to invest in their fundraiser, please pick those up on your way out. God bless you. Keep you. Have a wonderful week.